Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet of 590 The Fan, Justin and Ailish on our final hour on this Tuesday morning before we tee up Canada at the FIBA World Cup, which is starting at 9.30 and catching on Sportsnet. Get back into a little Blue Jays with our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Carlos Pena, former MLB first baseman and current MLB network analyst. How's it going this morning, Carlos? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I was looking forward to this. <laughs> we always love having you. You've got great insight on uh, all of our big stars here, including Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So, I mean, he's been mostly the story this season for some ups and downs. And I, I think it's fair to say it's been frustrating at times with Vladdy. And we're all trying to diagnose what's going on with Vlad at the plate. And is he getting too much Inside, is he not getting enough? Or is he thinking too much? But when you look at Vlad's plate approach, what's the first thing to you that stands out as maybe an area of intrigue or an area of improvement? Yes, no doubt. Because uh, as, as an analyst, and just as a flat-out fan, all right, I'm watching this game closely. I know uh, how frustrating it has been for, for the fans to see the Blue Jays just stay out of that race, just uh, within striking distance, which is encouraging at the end of the day. You do need your stars to perform, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. is one of those guys who we know is not performing up to his potential. Okay, We know there's a lot more there from Vlad. Now, watching him closely, this is the type of conversation that we have with him because he's actually making good contact. You know, he's hitting the ball hard. As a matter of fact, that's part of the frustration, right? So we could honestly say – he has been one of the most un, unluck, unluckiest hitters in all of the major leagues. Um, just second to Acuna, hitting the ball hard outs, right? In hard outs, check this out, guys. Hard outs, he leads the league. Uh, he's second by Acuna, leading all of Major League Baseball on hard outs. So he's hit the ball hard. So this is the type of conversation you would be having when it's like, listen, you're hitting the ball hard, all right? So that's good. So why are, are you driving the ball uh, to all ball to all sides of the ballpark, and immediately I will go to timing. Guys, timing is everything. If you are not on time to hit, and that is the one thing that I was able to pick out when I dove deep into the numbers, is his approach against the fastball. Uh, the success against the fastball this year is very different than, for example, in 2021 when he had a monster season. All right, he needs to get back to getting on the fastball, and that is all about timing. Get ready early enough to hit, all right? Does that explain, because I guess the, you know, the counter to the unlucky thing is, uh, okay, so you're digging, you're hitting it hard, but you're digging it straight into the ground. Lots of ground balls from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., lots of grounding into double play uh, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And yeah, the the driving it is the key and getting the ball in the air is key. And we have a conversation last week with Blue Jays analyst, uh, Chris LaRue, who was saying like, yeah, he can hit ground balls, he can hit line drives. But they don't have anyone who can hit the ball in the air, this Blue Jays team, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. included. So what about is it a timing thing that prevents him from getting the ball or has prevented him from getting the ball in the air to make best use of hitting the ball hard? Yeah, because this is, a, this is such a fascinating uh, uh, topic. Obviously, we're trying to maximize uh, an elite athlete, right? And we know what he's capable of doing. Um, when you are late, Right? You have an, an unbelievable ability to get a barrel to the baseball, right? We, that is, 
that is undeniable. We cannot even argue that. He is amazing at getting the barrel to the ball. It's not like he's striking out at a, uh, at a, at a high pace. None of that. <clears throat> but he's not driving the ball gap to gap. All right. When you are late, you collapse your backside. You break down your mechanics to create space for your swing, for you to be able to get the barrel to the ball. When you do that, your swing changes, and all of a sudden you're no longer squaring the ball up, right? You are deflecting it, if anything. So you, you hit the ball down when you deflect it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little technical, but if we were watching a video right now, it's as if here you're going about, you're going about your swing, right about when you're, you're almost about to hit the baseball, you move backwards, all right? That is a change in mechanics. Your swing is going to change plane, and now you will be deflecting the ball. You barrel it, you have great exit velocities, but not the right trajectory. So that, that's my conversation. Now, is this too complicated, uh, perhaps, uh, for a hitter to think about in-game? Of course. It, the conversation may be more so, hey, you are, you know, this many miles per hour late, why don't you, instead of thinking that the pitcher throws 95, in your mind you have to think 100. Let's get ready for 100. It could be as easy as, or as simple, because hitting is not easy, as saying, in your mind, think 100 miles per hour instead of 95. If the pitcher's throwing 98 and you know that's where he tops out, in your mind, get ready for 105. And those, those are the type of conversations you should be having with hitters. But immediately, I'm, I'm encouraged about this because, it's about timing. It's not mechanics. It's not that his skill has left him. So the fix is simpler than I think everybody thinks. It's all about now implementing and applying the concept of giving yourself enough time to make sure you make your best move. What do you make of uh, this recent occurrence? I think a lot of Blue Jays fans have circled as a point of contention yeah. that Vlad swings at every first pitch. It's like doesn't even you know take a pitch whatsoever. Swings at the first pitch, and then you know most of the time we know how that one results or hitting into ground uh, doubles. But I-, I wonder if that's just a mental thing that he's he's facing. It's like I want to get <laughs> I want to get on base. I want to get something going. Uh, but it really seems as of late um, that he's just swinging at every first pitch. Have you noticed? Yes, and, and this is the thing with that. It's like I have no problem with mm-hmm. you swinging at the first pitch as, as long as you're doing damage with it, mm-hmm. right? So we were just looking at Kyle Schwaber, for, for example, who's had a very low batting average, but when he swings at first, you know, first pitch, he's absolutely crushing. He has like 13 home runs, first pitch uh, swinging. So it's not about swinging at the first pitch. It's making sure that when you do, you are producing damage. Now, how, how does that happen? When you have a very specific approach, you get the pitch you're looking for, and you are ready to hit it on time, and you make your best move at it, you know, unobstructed swing on it. Mm-hmm. Now you maximize the output. So instead of the way I would approach is instead of talking about don't swing at the first pitch, it's just go to the root of the problem. You know, what are you thinking? What is, what is your approach at the plate? What pitch are you hunting? You know, so you don't go out there just recklessly aggressive mm-hmm. you go up there with a very specific plan so it's 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 fascinating it's encouraging at the end of the day and frustrating because you're like okay carlos so uh, when is this going to happen <laughs> <laughs> when, when is this adjustment going to happen if you think it's this simple and i'm like well watching from afar obviously uh relies uh, on the 
you know, hitting coach and uh, the conversations uh, the coaching staff is having with him to help him kind of simplify because it, it is not easy, but it is simple in my estimation um, on, on how he can get back on track and really producing for the Blue Jays. So it's funny you say the words recklessly aggressive. Like I feel like over the last little while, there's been a lot of conversation from players and even from John Schneider, the manager, about playing with more urgency. But I wonder for you, what does playing with urgency look like in baseball? Because you can tiptoe into the recklessly aggressive as well if you're trying to make things happen. But urgency, that word urgency that's been thrown around, how do you show that in baseball? Yeah, when, um, you know, I, I do like the the mentality that Snyder's trying to, uh, you know, portray or trying to mm-hmm. encourage his players uh, uh, to have. And I think what, what he means by that is like, okay, guys, this is not let me false hustle, you know, because you can go out there and recklessly run into outs. You can go out there and start swinging every single first pitch, like we were just talking about it, recklessly without a plan. So what is your protection? What is your safety net? Your safety net is your approach at the plate, for example, your sequencing strategy when you're on the mound. Um, you have a very specific mission. So when you have those Basically, I mean, I would call it guardrails in a sense, simply because you have created a path, right? You have created a path that you can attack aggressively. That's the best way to look at it. Now, if you go out to the plate without an approach, then there is no north. There is no port to which you're going to. So in in essence, no wind is favorable. Goodness, I just quoted a stoic. (laughs) <laughs> but th- 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 this, this, this works in baseball. Basically, when you go up to the plate, when you're running the bases, when you're on the mound, you want to be aggressive? Yes. Well, you need to have a mission so that you can be there aggressively in, within, within the parameters that you've set. You know, so it's on the plan that, that I think I would have a focus more. You know, what is your approach? What's your plan? What's your mission? Now go, um, go accomplish it. Go uh, implement it um, aggressively. Right. So it's the plan that I'm more concerned about because that's the root of the problem. Otherwise, we're just treating symptoms. Uh, MLB Network's Carlos Pena on the line. Uh, so David Schneider obviously has been a shot in the arm for the Toronto Blue Jays here. He may be p- playing a more important role than anticipated with uh, Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman dealing with some injuries right now. Uh, but it's been an interesting uh, start to his uh, MLB career. Uh, he has that massive weekend in Boston. Then it seems like, oh, there's an adjustment made, and they know how to get David Schneider out. And then he sits on the bench for a little while, uh, much to the chagrin of Blue Jays Nation. And then he gets back in the lineup, and again, he's having an immediate impact. I mean, th- this is all a process in, like, okay, understanding exactly who David Schneider is and what he can do, at least for opponents. So I guess my question is, how long until how long does it take for baseball to get a book on a guy? Like how long can David Schneider be a surprise to pitchers that are going to face him down the stretch uh, and into September and maybe into October for the Blue Jays? Like how long does it take I guess for David Schneider for you to know how to get Schneider out? And that's not a guarantee that you will, but for them to have a good idea of what they have to do against someone who just gets dropped in to a major league field uh, basically as an unknown. No, oh, it, it happens very quickly <laughs> because immediately he could be strained, right? All, all of his skill. It's, he's shown incredible skill thus far, and it's been fun to watch. Um, but then 
pitchers in the big leagues know what, what works. You know, if you are sequencing pitches, uh, pitches correctly, if you are tunneling your pitches, uh, if you're creating speed differentials between pitches while you have great deception, you're going to succeed even against the league elite hitters. So th- that's, that's a given. Now then you do scouting reports on specific players and you know what, what is their strength. You can also see what the weaknesses are. So it, it'll be quick. I mean, don't, don't think that if he's having success, I mean, this far, I mean, I know it's been 40 or so at bats, um, and he's had success up until now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very early in his career. But, you know, before, you know, within the next 50 ABs, you know, whatever strength uh, will be known, whatever weakness will be known. As a matter of fact, right now he's creating some patterns. Um, but the skill is there. I'm not afraid that all of a sudden he's going to stop producing. I'm not because he also could counter whatever uh, approach or event scouting report they have on him. He could counter with a better one. You know, that's why when, when you see the skill, we were talking about Black Guerrero Jr. This, this also applies to Schneider here. Hey, you have the skill to get the barrel to the baseball. You have the strength to drive the ball, headline drive, scalp to gap. Okay, the skill is there. Now it is the approach that elevates you. It is the approach that allows you to be consistent. So instead of treating symptoms, let's go to the root of the situation, which will always be strategy at the plate, on the mound. Strategy will always maximize your potential. So I'm not concerned about this. As a matter of fact, this is a, you know, he's an unbelievable weapon for the team. And uh, you mentioned it, harnessing him. It's going to be key if the Blue Jays aspire to, to, to uh, gain a postseason berth here. Yeah, it's felt like a bit of a process, right? Like he was an unknown quantity. He punishes pitching. There is an adjustment, and now maybe he's adjusted back. So it's uh, they're trading adjustments here, and hopefully they can continue yeah. <laughs> to do that with Schneider being uh, productive. Um, in your career and in your in your uh, you know time in Major League Baseball, Carlos, when did you know, or what was a telltale sign when a pitcher, maybe one of your pitchers? was starting to run on fumes, that they were out of gas maybe for the season, that they'd pitched too much and they just didn't have much, uh, or they weren't going to be at their best in uh, the late portion of the season. Were there things that you noticed uh, uh, from pitchers that, you know, had that sort of reality, or is every pitcher different? I mean, every every pitcher is certainly different, but, I mean, there are some telltale signs of, of uh, you know, struggle, let's say, or, laboring right that it's not it's not any longer longer a smooth uh, delivery perhaps to the plate um you can see that they are um you know one of the you know i had a a buddy of mine uh, you know great pitcher by the way uh, matt garza who um, used to be extremely good on the mound had a great career but i could tell that he was struggling when he started grunting kind of like over overthrowing and he would, he would come up to me and say, hey, if you see that I'm doing that, make sure that you tell me less is more. You know, easy, easy is fast. You know, and uh, you would see that in pitchers. I think generally that's uh, one of the themes when you see them overthrowing and they come out of their mechanics. Like they try to do more than they're capable and you see their, <clears throat> their, their body and mechanics break down and now control. Um, it's... Uh, it's uh, minimized. They can't throw strikes. They can execute pitches. And now it becomes a, a downward spiral. Um, so that's when fatigue sets in. 
And it's almost like you have to remind pitchers, and I took it upon myself, especially when someone asked, like Matt, to tell them, hey, it's not try harder, it's try easier. Um, and that's kind of tough for a competitor to even comprehend, right? Um, so, yeah, there are some telltale signs. You feel uh, that the Blue Jays are uh, at that spot right now. It, it's, it's At the end of the day, it's all about strategy, staying within yourself. I mean, I, I go back to that because I think that is where the advantage is. It's staying, yeah, sharp with your mechanics, healthy and all that. But it's what are you trying to do? on the mound. What is what is your strategy? What are you sequencing? What is your combination that you're trying to bring forth? Um, remember, as a hitter, I can tell you uh, what works uh, uh, from a pitcher. What makes a pitcher difficult to hit? So sometimes the best thing you can do as a pitcher is talk to hitters. <laughs> We're chatting with uh, MLB Network analyst Carlos Pena. Um, okay, so up in Toronto, we spend a lot of time on the Blue Jays, but we've certainly had one eye on the Seattle Mariners and what Julio Rodriguez has done with that team, a young superstar propelling some incredible run they've had. Uh, What's been the most, besides Julio Rodriguez, Rodriguez, the biggest reason for Seattle's turnaround and just how scary they look in a wildcard race and even just a playoff race in general? Well, this is unbelievable because sometimes we we think about momentum being more of a – uh, esoteric uh, uh, thing that you cannot really measure, that it's not quantifiable, but they got momentum on their side. Okay. Now, no doubt about it, there are some markers that immediately tells you why this happens. If you see the ground that they've been able to gain over the past, you know, couple of weeks, we can we can talk about those ten days where they um, overcame a deficit of seven and a half games. Okay, that, that is absolutely ridiculous. As a matter of fact, it's so improbable that it, it border, borders on the side of insanity when you, if you were to even say that that was possible, yet here they are, you know, in first place and thriving. How does that happen? It's not just J-Rod. It's everyone in that lineup having better at-bats, okay? We see the Oscar Hernandez, uh, you know, of course, you're very familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see the trade, and you're like, okay, what's going on? You know, now they have acquired him. You know, what's going on here? Is this a good move? This is a veteran. Yeah, a proven veteran, a veteran that uh, knows how to uh, go and hit in the clutch and how to rise to the occasion. Well, he's been swinging the bat um, uh, better. You know, so one, you know, if you go one through nine, you know, Crawford has been one of those spark plugs, um, and they've been putting good ABs one through nine and really stacking them up so they score runs. Then the, the pitching has been right where it needs to be. You know, you got Kirby, you got Kirby. Castillo doing a great job. And, uh, and then the, the back end of the bullpen also putting lids on games and just putting fires out on high-leverage situations. And it all seems to work in synergy, right? So it's a, it's, it's a team effort, really, just the sum of all parts. But so momentum is just not a magical word. You can create momentum, and then you can ride it. No doubt about it. Trust me, you can ride momentum, and then you can say there's magic. But it just doesn't – you just don't wake up one day and, and get lucky. This has been a long time coming. We know this team um, was playing below their potential, and finally here they are uh, firing all cylinders. 
I guess on the flip side, uh, momentum in the in the wrong way. What's going on with the Texas Rangers in terms of their slide? Uh, they were a team that we didn't even think too much about because it was Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. And now it might be the Blue Jays and that final series in September against the Rangers that really helps solidify who's in the picture and who's not. But the Rangers have been uh, pretty bad as of late. Uh, is that a sustainable bad? Should we be feeling a little bit more confident up here that the Rangers might have fallen off or... Are they just a, a winning streak away from really making this uh, a tough stretch for the Blue Jays in terms of grasping that wild card? Yeah, I think at, the, at this point, we, as, uh, as a ball club, if I were the Blue Jays or just anyone around the league, you, you have to understand that the Texas Rangers are certainly a team that they're good. That, that's that's mm-hmm. the reason why they were where they were. I was asked the other day, I'm like, okay, you know, who's the best team in the, in the West? And everybody wants to jump, jump off the Texas Rangers wagon. And I was like, wait, no, not so fast because, you know, Luka has been able to accomplish all, all, all season long. They've proven that they are this good. This is not just a hot streak. And here they are just pretty much falling off the face of the earth, right? And we're like, what in the world is going on? So not so fast, right? They do have the weapons there necessary to come back and fix this. As a matter of fact, I believe that every single ball club that aspires to a World Series championship Somewhere along the lines, and we were looking at some examples, you know, 2008, uh, we, we didn't win the World Series with the Rays, but I remember going through a stretch, even though we, it was a, a great team, we lost eight games in a row, and we had to bounce back. So this is the moment of reckoning for the Texas Rangers. If they're able to spiral out of this, man, that's going to be great for them, right? Because they got tested, then they spiral out of this situation, they were able to fix it, and get everything going back on track. But if this continues here in the next couple of days, because it's about that time, this, is, this, this stretch has been absolutely horrible. It's like, okay, now uh, we can say that maybe they're truly, truly just spiraling and they will not recover. And it, it is kind of feeling that way. Um, so, in other words, they, they had to get it going yesterday. They had to get it going the day before and get, you know, a street going in the right direction uh, to get back on track. Um, yeah, I would say kick, kick them, kick them while, while they're down. Uh, if you are the rest of the league, this is where you have to take advantage of the Rangers. Uh, last one for you, Carlos. Uh, Mookie Betts has overtaken Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, in the NL MVP race. Uh, did you see anyone catching Acuna given where he was uh, earlier on this year during the, you know, in the, the midst of summer? It looked like he was way ahead in that race. And just how special August has been for Mookie Betts. Yeah, I think this is credit to Mookie, right? Because I, I definitely did not see this this happening. Anyone catching Acuna, uh, in a sense, in the MVP race. Um, and now you see all the odds actually shifting towards Betts, you know, slightly, uh, which I was like, are you serious? That's how good Betts has, has been over the last um, month or so. I mean, he's really come strong in August, uh, killing the baseball, hitting, you know, driving the ball out of the ballpark. So consistent, uh, kind of going on a, on a Julio Rodriguez-like, um, you know, streak, uh, hot streak here. Um, but with Acuna, what's incredible is that he has been this good the entire season. Seems to me like he hasn't even slowed down uh, or even gone in a slump. And as a matter of fact, last night hits a absolute missile right center field, home run, steal his 60th base, and you're like, there's no slowing down. It's certainly going to be. Uh, 30-30, I think yesterday's home run was his 29th, still his 60th base. I mean, come on. 
Well, that just tells you how much, how, how well Mookie Betts has been playing. Because here I am celebrating Acuna, and Mookie Betts has already surpassed him. And, you know, when we look at the Vegas odds, which is uh, uh, astonishing. But Mookie Betts, uh, what's impressive about him is how he has made adjustments throughout his career, even while he was an absolute stud, which is kind of scary, right? Like when you are that good, um, you would probably say, uh, I don't need to change, just, just stay the same. Mookie has actually made swing changes while he was at, at the top of the world. And then, you know, I was scared for him. I'm like, ah, don't, mess, don't mess around with your swing. You, you're locked in. Don't do anything. It's made him better. <laughs> He's actually gotten better. That's, that's, that was, I thought that was impossible. How could you get better when you're already a superstar while he has done so? Yeah, both of them playing at such a high level for Acuna. Uh, a season worthy of hugs, just not on the field from fans, uh, would be, I think, appreciated by him. Uh, Carlos, it was a pleasure talking to you this morning. Uh, hopefully we can chat again before the season is through. Yeah, let's make it happen. I really enjoy coming on with you guys. Uh, thanks, thanks again. That's Carlos Pena, MLB Network Analyst, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Explain the hug on the field for those that have missed it. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it wasn't too late last night, but woke up this morning to video of two fans, <laughs> uh, one first hugging Acuna and security trying to pry him away, and then another, actually there was another fan that jumped on that tried to get back it's off the crazy field video. and got pulled out of the stands again. So there's three, there were three fans on the field at one point All hugging and, Acuna. and like fighting with security to try to, you know, continue the hug, like a really strange video. Pretty scary. They actually. Honestly, like needed like the jaws of life to yeah. pry these fans from Took Ronald like six, Acuna six Jr. security guards to get the two off him pretty much. And they just wanted, it wasn't violent. What I a guess. weird was, scene. Just yeah. stop running on the field unless you're, you know, I just don't bother the players. How about that? Yes, yes. Stop running on the field. But like, this is something that will never stop. Like it, until the end of time, it it feels like people will be doing this. It doesn't slow down. Social media hasn't made it worse on people. Uh, it just continues to happen yeah, everywhere. There's three point four million views on the first video that I type in of Acuna Jr. on Twitter. Oh, there's another one with eight hundred thousand. Like, there's you know these people get their little moment and. Glad that he's okay. That's scary. Like you could, you could punch. Like and you could do anything at there. He's by himself in the middle of the outfield. It's I love freaky. The, the video is hilarious. The first security like grabs him in the upper body, and then the second one's like, "Oh, he's still hugging him," and he just Tries goes the right legs. for the legs. <laughs> it's, it's a like, tackle. Yeah, it's like oh, a, yeah. They definitely like strategized it, but it looks so it looks so strange. Okay, well, we forgot to remind people to send in their wake and rake picks. You've got Blue Jays in action, of course, tonight. Seven oh seven first pitch with. Jose Brio's on the mound, but Canada basketball, 9.30 tip. Uh, well, probably not going to get that into the wake and rake, but if you have any thoughts and feelings on that, you can send that in at 590, 590. We'll take all of that in our final 30 minutes. We've got Sherman Hamilton joining us in studio. He's probably just out around behind the door here waiting for us to get off the air. So let's take a break. We'll bring Sherman in here. We'll chat about this Canadian team. What an incredible way to start this tournament, but a big challenge today. Latvia at 930, uh, big implications on standings and in terms of seeding. So let's walk through how Canada can capitalize on the momentum that they have. Sherman Hamilton after the break on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan Canada wraps up group play at the FIBA World Cup this morning, just about an hour away as they take on Latvia, 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. If you tune in, you're going to see this guy on your screen, Sherman Hamilton in studio here, former member of the Canadian men's national team and current Sportsnet analyst. Glad to have you in studio. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. You've been here for a few hours, but we appreciate you coming up the stairs to see us, (laughs) to help share your wisdom. It's good to have someone else doing what we're doing. You know, this it's usually like a ghost town. We don't see anyone. We don't get to interact with anyone. <laughs> but now you get to, not only do we get to interact, we get you get to feel our mornings. <laughs> the end of our morning juice, but well, we're here. And it's the start of mine, so <laughs> battling that's, that's energies right yeah, here. Yeah. Um, well, Canada has had a boatload of energy to start this tournament. Um, I know there was high expectations, but I think that they have outshine most of those, I think, at the way that they started this tournament, uh, two blowout wins. Maybe sometimes hard to gain things from blowout wins. Like, how do you learn about this team when they're steamrolling in competition? But for you, when you're watching Canada's first two games at this tournament, uh, what's been the biggest point of emphasis for how they've kicked this off? I think the first thing I see is that this is a very talented team. I mean, high-level talent when you talk about the world stage. And it's important to emphasize that because that's where the expectation mm-hmm. comes. Uh, they've been very good defensively. Um, they haven't shot the ball extremely well, and I think they'll get better at that. But when you have a group that hasn't really played as much basketball together as you'd like them to go into a tournament like this, you kind of wait for it to come, watch it build, see them get more familiar with each other. Because when the lights are on, that's when it really matters. And you can play a lot of exhibition games. You can have a ton of practices But when there are officials and it counts, that's when you find out who you are. And I think this team is getting better game by game. And today's game will be another chance for them to improve on who they are and who they want to be. I don't know what your expectations were uh, entering the tournament, how it would look, uh, how it would look against France specifically. Uh, But what did that victory, what did that second half do for you in terms of like not eureka moments, but maybe a light coming on and being like, oh, that's how it's going to be. Yeah, that would to me was such a significant win for Canada. You know, that was France is is a world power when it comes to basketball and they handled them. That third quarter was unbelievable. I think they outscored them 25 to eight. Their defense was phenomenal. They really shut France down to the point where France couldn't find anything and To me, it showed me, it gave me a peek into the elite level of defense that this team can play against an elite team. And then it also showed me, because Shea Gilgis-Alexander stepped up and started to be that guy, that 30-plus point scorer in the NBA, fifth leading scorer in the NBA last season, and a guy who was in the MVP rankings, this guy stepped up to another level. And when you see those elements come together against a quality team like France and a 30-point win, you're saying, all right, Maybe there isn't much in the world that can really, really get past Canada if they play to that level. So I thought that game was huge. And and for a country to beat a team like France, who's such a high-ranking team in the world, it's a big moment. So Latvia today presents a, a different challenge. I mean, Lebanon wasn't the most talented of basketball <laughs> teams, but they found a way to kind of have a big team environment, a team win. I think everybody was under 20 minutes. Uh, a lot of people in, in, in double figures there in yep. terms of, of scoring. So Depth was important. Um, what kind of challenges are we going to see today from Latvia? Even though Canada is heavy favorites, they're still a more competitive team. Yeah, Latvia shoots the ball very well. They're a team that can really, they get volume of threes up. And then when they're falling, they become difficult. And and I think this is going to be a stiffer test for Canada. And they came off of a big win against France too. So 
they have high energy. Now, they have a couple injuries that's going to impact their ability to be consistent. The other thing is that with Latvia, when you talk about a tournament like this, to travel 3,000 fans, mm. it's an amazing support system. And it's really a benefactor for this team. I've played in a lot of these these qualification tournaments where you're playing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and other than someone's aunt and the scorekeepers, there's <laughs> nobody in the gym. So there's no energy. And they have 3,000 fans mm. that are rabid fans. And it really gives them an advantage. So it's going to be challenging. Uh, Canada's going to have to do, I think, a better job than they did against the Philippines in terms of executing from the jump and being consistent, not expecting the same kind of game. And, and I think they'll be okay. But... Canada should walk away with, from this game with a, a W. I wouldn't say it's going to be easy, but it could get out of hand if Canada starts to roll. What are the hallmarks under Jordi Fernandez? Like, what have you learned about him? What is Canada, like, how is he have to coach this team specifically? I mean, they have those two defensive stoppers. That has to be one of the hallmarks for them, being able to guard the best player on the opposing team. Obviously, Shea is going to be a big part of that. They have one of, if not the best player at this tournament. When, when it comes to Jordi and Jordi coaching this team specifically, what are the things that this Canadian team, if it gets past Lafayette, it, it continues on to the tournament, uh, uh, you know, beyond the next game, uh, what are the things that are going to be most important and the things that he's trying to instill and successfully instilling in order to make, you know, the play of the hand that he's been dealt the best way possible? Well, Jordy's done a good job in terms of allowing the players to understand that this is a group effort. Shea is great. You know, Kelly is great. They, this team is very talented, but that 10th, 11th, 12th guy, you've got to stay engaged and you've got to be involved because your number is going to be called. He's also done a solid job switching up his defenses and working on some things and, and, and allowing this team to grow from that perspective. And then offensively, you know, when you have a player of Shea's ability, you know offensively you're in good hands. But Jordy has ran some things that has allowed Kelly Olenek to handle the basketball, one of the more veteran guys on this team. And as a seven-footer, it really throws a different look at the defense when you can handle the ball, you can pass the ball, you can run offense through your seven-footer because now another big guy has to pull, be pulled away from the basket. And, and that kind of opening of the interior space on the court has allowed guys like Shea, the ability to get into the paint, you know, Lou Dort, you know, guys that can attack and get off the dribble and get into the paint. He's done a great job spacing the floor for this team. Are the Raptors going to look silly not hiring him after this tournament? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so. I, I think Jordy <laughs> is, is doing a good job at carving out his lane as a professional coach, and, mm -hmm. and he's going to continue to get good looks uh, for potential hirings, and this helps him. And, and I think for the Raptors, they've got their man. They're happy <laughs> with that. But uh, you, you can't help but wish the best for Jordy, especially if he has a continual good summer that he's having so far. We did speak to Jordy before the announcement of the roster, and he kind of hinted at Jamal Murray, and then there was no Jamal Murray. Um, at this point, it looks like Canada's done fine without Jamal Murray, but tougher competition uh, to come. So when do you think we'll see, if any time, the absence of Jamal Murray, and have others stepped up maybe in a leadership role to help complement that? Yeah, uh, Jamal to me is the key to this team being super elite. Mm. He's an alpha dog. He's, he's a champion. He's, he's got that killer mentality. And I think in, in international play, you need that. You need that guy who's just going to say, get on my back, let's go, follow my lead. Shea is great. R.J. Barrett is great. These guys are elite talents. Jamal's got, to me, that extra gear. And I think, you know, when you talk about seeing him in a uniform for Canada... It's, it's special. It's going to be special. Now, 
This team is very good. When they cross over, they're going to have some stiffer challenges. A team like Spain is going to be more difficult to deal with. And I think in those moments, we're going to find out, you know, how good this team is. And to your question, is the absence of a Jamal Murray going to be a real factor? Because as a tournament progresses, you're meeting up with better teams, with better talent, and more stiffer challenges. And that's when you need your players to step up. But I'm confident in this group without Jamal that they can get the job done in this tournament. And uh, I hope we don't experience a situation where Jamal Murray's absence is very, very big. Yeah, uh, you know, let's hope we don't get to that point. I mean, the ordering of the question here is not really intentional. I don't mean to like pit them or compare uh, what they've done, but I do want to go back to Shea because his involvement in this tournament is unbelievably important. And and, and I wonder where it like ranks historically. Like, is is Shea's want to be here like the most powerful thing in this program's history? I fortunately had a chance to play in the backcourt with Steve Nash. Yeah. And this is a two-time MVP. This is a guy who has had an amazing NBA career. And his commitment to the program was unparalleled. Every chance he got, he came back to play. So I've had a firsthand experience of, of an elite player whose desire was to play for Canada every summer that he could. I think it's more unique now with the amount of things that players can be attached to, involved with, it looks harder to be involved with the program. But what Shea's doing, I've seen done before. Mm-hmm. It's it's big. It's huge. It matters. It's it's significant. And and the fact that he wants to be here, it's a great thing. But I've seen it with Steve Nash, and and it's it's to me in terms of the collective confidence of the group when you have elite players that are saying, "My summers are dedicated to the national team." it can't help but bolster the energy and the attitude for the team. I guess uh, my only pushback would be that Shea's doing it at a time where if there is full buy-in, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? Like, not like if Steve Nash helped put it on the map, Steve Nash showed something back then that, you know, he didn't have to do. He didn't have to be as dedicated as he was. But if Shea can lead this now, the ceiling is much higher. For sure. The ceiling is much higher. Overall talent is much higher. No question about it. But in terms of one-to-one elite players, I think we're looking at Steve Nash, Shea, you know, when Jamal is involved. Those elite players are the difference makers. Mm. And and to your point, if this team comes together collectively right now with all the talent they have, we're talking about fighting for gold medals at major events against the U.S., that's special, and this team would have no reason to back down talent-wise in terms of being able to compete against teams like that. So the timing of it is huge, and, and to your point, the collective talent really separates this group. We're chatting with Sherman Hamilton in studio before Canada takes on Latvia, 9.30 p- uh, a.m., 9.30 a.m., right around the corner on Sportsnet. You can catch that there. Um, okay, so speaking of the United States, it seems like Canada kind of put some people on notice. You started to hear, well, Canada's looking good. The American team being part of the, the conversation. Can Canada at this current stage without Jamal Murray really pose a threat if they get there at this final? Well, yeah, they can pose a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in a one-game situation, anything's possible. And with the talent that Canada has, yeah. Now, am I going to say they're the favorites against the States? Absolutely not. <laughs> the States are a team of basically young all-stars in the NBA. And our future all-stars or all-stars right now, the, the talent is unbelievable. But when your leader is one of the elite players in the NBA, 
You have a couple of guys defensively who are elite defenders in the NBA. You know, R.J. Barrett's an, an, uh, an aspiring elite player in the NBA. So I just think that the confidence to go against those guys is very familiar. They do it every night. And the ability to lead a group in a one-game situation mm-hmm. to get a W, it's not impossible. The odds will be with the U.S., no doubt about it, but there will be no fear and no back down in the Canadian team. This Canadian team certainly looks like they're playing with a lot of pride. You wore the Maple Leaf at one point. 116 total caps for Canada uh, between 95 and 02. Didn't know that. A member of the 2000 Olympic team, which is the last time Canada was uh, at an appearance at, at the Olympics. Um, so what did it mean for you to be a, a representative of, of this great country? It was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 23 years since the Canadian men's team has made the Olympics. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Also tells me how old I am being on that team. So <laughs> I didn't mean to put you no, on No, you did. It's okay. I've been used to it. But it meant a lot, you know, to represent your country, to be able to, to see the pride in your family and friends, mm-hmm. to experience that with you. And then also, it's, it was a lifelong goal. You know, you worked hard to get there. And, uh, you know, to, to think about how that ended, losing to France in the crossover, the first game having the second best record in the Olympics and finishing seventh, it was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It hurt a lot. But that experience and, and the buildup to get there and the world championships and the Pan Am games, all those things that led to that moment, I would do it all again. Even though my body's broken down, <laughs> I'd do it all again. Well, you might get to watch a team, hopefully, um, on the horizon of getting that opportunity. Um, before we let you go, Dan Schulman, what he's been doing for the last week and so, oh. it's pretty remarkable. Um, I mean, you get to be alongside and see him in yeah. person there, and he's holding up strong. I. It's unbelievable when you think about what <laughs> yeah. he's doing. I mean, he's doing these games in the morning. He's finding a way to take a nap somewhere in the building, <laughs> and then he's going to do the Blue Jays. But this is why he's the elite. He's mm-hmm. the cream of the crop. You know, he's a pro's pro on every level. And I know for me personally, my job would suck if I had to do it <laughs> like that. But he makes it work, and he, he said it this morning. He's like, it's tough, but I beg to do this. So I can't complain about it. That's yeah. right. And that's what a pro does. Yeah, he's our Shay. Yeah, he's our Shay. Oh, 100%. He's our SGA. 100%. Uh, well, you guys are doing an incredible job. Uh, we'll let you go. We appreciate you coming up, taking some time out of your day, kickstarting your day with us as we wrap up ours. Uh, great to have you here and enjoy today's game and hopefully many more to come. Thanks for having me. Thanks so yeah, much. We appreciate it. That was Sherman Hamilton in studio, former member of the Canadian national team, of course, and current sports and analyst. Uh, Canada takes on Latvia in about half an hour. You can catch it on Sportsnet, 9.30 p.m. You'll see him and you'll hear Dan and you'll see the whole squad doing a wonderful job as Canada looks to continue their winning at the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, he's got a broadcast to put on. Yeah, you better uh, get going. Very, very quickly. He looked <laughs> dapper. We're sitting here in a hoodie and he came in with an exquisite blue tailored suit. He looks great. You'll You're see giving it. him exquisite, okay? It, yeah, it's, it's immaculate. Nice. It is very nice. It's definitely properly tailored. Okay. Unlike us, schlubs. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> schlub it up to end the show here. Yeah. Let's do a wake and rake. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so we did mention that Canada were favorites, but they're... 18 and a half point favorites. Big favorites. I was not expecting that. Neither was I. 18 and a half point favorites. uh, The heaviest favorites of the day until you look at tomorrow's schedule where USA plays Jordan. Mm. And they're 41 point favorites. I mean, I don't know how you could not. I don't imagine betting Jordan in that game. (laughs) 
You're like, keep it close. 41 <laughs> like I, I points. Just, it would be not fun at all, that experience, I don't think. Unless you do uh, cash the bet. I, I did guess. find like player specials and player points on Canada. Um, you think that Shea might go over over 25 and a half points? Is his the, only, the only problem is, I don't know how many scored against Lebanon. He was probably, uh, it wasn't no, it the wasn't output against France. Uh, They're sharing if, the ball if, nice. If they get, yeah, if they get into a situation where they're up 20 very quickly, it's not going to be on Shea to score Sorry, it's a 25 plus. 33 and a half. Oh, that, I might take that under there. Actually, that was, I was looking at points and assists, um, or I'm looking at points, rebounds, and assists. Sorry, this is backwards, and I usually look at It's a different FIBA site I'm on. Okay, so... Is points 33? No, no, sorry. Points is, uh, points is only 20. You can't even just do points. You can do points and assists, okay. 25 and a half. That's a little strange. Points, I know, I'm on a random site. It's probably like the, the dark web, but nonetheless, <laughs> points, rebounds, and don't assists. Ad, don't th- admit to that. Anywho, um, but yeah, Not Canada. Yeah, yeah, true. Canada is uh, heavy favorites today at the World Cup. Nobody sent in a World Cup pick, but we can go through some anchor picks where we select ours okay. here. Uh, Corey from Port Hope, for my wake and rake pick, I like the Phillies um, on the first five inning line by half a run. I like the pitching matchup and the Phillies have had more to play for than the injury riddled angels. Oh, wow. It's the return. I Neil know, from I Newfoundland. I, I, do you want to read it? I mean, no, it's no, a special it. moment. Okay. It. Good morning. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on to make a pick, but it's us open times. So here we go. Diego Schwartzman minus two and a half over Arthur Kindenek. Schwartzman has turned his year around. Is looking to uh, looking back in really good form. Kinderneck. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Has only played one hard court match. This stretch and loss to a lower level player. So Neil is on Diego Schwartzman, which means I am on Diego Schwartzman. Yes, we missed you, Neil. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Dan from Peterborough. Last night was not a clean game, but damn, it was fun to watch the guys bring in some runs. I agree. Also, what a great batting order. Loved it. Brio's over four and a half strikeouts for minus 140 seems like a very reasonable bet for today. You know what, Dan? That is reasonable. Four and a half seems very attainable for Jose Brio's. Eric in Burlington. Good morning. Taking the Rays money line. Tonight over the Marlins, Alcantara still hasn't figured it out after winning a Cy Young. And Biggie in Burlington. Okay, the Eric's are fighting in the text line here. Uh, the Eric was the last one you read, and then this is Big E Eric in Burlington. Okay, two for three yesterday, almost hit, but that Texas minus one and a half. I know today I like the under. Ooh, the under 5K Sabrios. Oh, God. Okay. Everyone's upset. Rays money line plus money and Red Sox money line. Bello has been decent lately. Oh, the Rays are getting plus so money. So one Eric wants one and uh, the other Eric wants Rays money line. I'm going to go with, um, let me just get mine in there quickly. Uh, under two and a half runs in the first three innings in the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Sorry, you're doing an under two and a half and three innings for the Dodgers? Clayton Kershaw and Merrill Kelly on the mound. Both of them have been pitching pretty damn good. Two and a half has ERA Ma- for has both. Has Merrill Kelly been pitching? Good? I haven't. Uh, I know Clayton Kershaw is for sure. His last four games. Look he has. at you. That is out of left field, buddy. I gotta. You gotta just try something new. You don't love Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman that Dodgers lineup early. Let's just hurry up and put yours in. Okay. Uh, I'm going back to the well. Seattle to win by two. Uh, George Kirby mm. might be the only guy to take the Cy Young away from. Garrett Cole. I don't think Kevin Gosman's doing mm-hmm. it. Not the way he's pitching. Uh, Luis Castillo is also up there. But George Kirby, if he goes on a run, maybe he can make sure that the Yankees get nothing out of this season. So George Kirby is my guy. The Mariners don't lose. They are hosting the Athletics. Mariners by two or more. Okay, I'm looking for Diego Schwartzman. What time does he play? 
today because oh there it is oh 11 a.m should we do it yes let's do it okay so neil uh, neil's return neil's return he has diego schwartzman on the spread minus two and a half games yes. over arthur buddy oh it's rinderneck <laughs> yeah, i said kinderneck close, but that's, rinderneck it's yeah you tried um okay let's parlay that up and we're gonna get uh wait wow that's uh a very profitable parlay um okay so Diego Schwartzman on the spread. spread under two and a half in the first three innings of Diamondbacks and Dodgers and Mariners on the run line plus 766 today. That is a wild play. Let's do it, though. You got Canada and, and Canada Latvia. rolls. I'm taking yes, them. that's it. Canada and Latvia, 930 a.m. on Sportsnet. Tune into that in about half an hour. You got the J.D. Bunkus podcast up next.